Welcome to the Active Training Team podcast, where we talk about sharing ideas, adding value, and increasing engagement in safety leadership. My name is Adam Christopher, and I'm a director at Active Training Team. ATT use film, live drama, and facilitated workshops to explore behavior in the world of safety, health, and well being. I hope you enjoyed our last episode with Tony, Robbie, and Chris three former miners who experienced the tragic consequences of a workplace fatality that could easily have been avoided. It's powerful stuff, but I also found their honesty and trust really inspirational and it strengthened my conviction that with the right behaviours and attitudes, we can send everyone home safe and well at the end of a shift. If you haven't listened to it yet, please do check it out. We'd love to hear your thoughts. You can find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or activetrainingteam.co.uk. So for this episode, I want to talk about women in construction, because I think there's still a long way to go to bring about more balance into this industry. Now, according to a Guardian article, which we've linked to in the episode notes, Britain has the lowest percentage of female engineering professionals in Europe. Only 5% of registered engineers and technicians are women. And when you exclude the the extremes of pay scale skill levels, engineers at top, cleaners at bottom, and just look at skilled labour roles like plumbing, electricals and plant, the numbers are minuscule. Now you might think, so what? We can't employ women into construction if they're not interested. Or maybe you think we should be looking at how to improve construction for everyone. Well, as you'll hear from my three guests, women are interested in construction and the easier we make it for them to get started, the quicker change will happen. That's good for everyone. So let's meet my guests. Kate Cairns is a civil engineer, sustainable infrastructure consultant, public speaker and road safety campaigner. When I meet women in the construction industry now, I, you know, I am blown over by how talented they are how ambitious they are, how impressed I am with them, because they've had to work at least twice as hard to get to where they are. Unfulfilled by her job and recruitment, Katie Kelleher turned her career around to become a crane operator with Lang O'Rourke. And he said, um, we got your CV through. And I was like, all right. And he was like, how do you feel about being a crane operator? I sort of put it to the back of my mind. I went home and I said, Dad, I said, Lang O'Rourke rang me up. He asked me if I wanted to be a crane operator. And he said, did you tell him to fuck off, was what he actually said. I wasn't going to swear, but we try it in there, because that's what he said. Well, we'll find out later what Katie decided to do with her dad's advice. Kate Anthony is a tunnel engineer for Dr Sauer and Partners. She's working on the bank station capacity upgrade project in the city of London. If I'm on shift, there's normally one other woman around. So whether they're a surveyor or a, or a shift engineer for Degados, yeah, there are other women around. It's really nice. It does feel very different compared to what it was when I first started. You just feel this sense of similarity, even if you're not similar to them at all. Just because they are a woman working in construction, there is just automatically, I don't know, a connection, I suppose. There are many different routes into construction, so here are the origin stories for the two Kates and one Katie. Let's start with Katie Keller. She drifted through school, dropped out of university and found herself in trades and labour recruitment. And that's when she began to look at construction differently. And I guess I kind of had a light bulb moment here where I wanted to change career. And I thought, well, why couldn't I work in construction? 
what would stop me from doing this? I saw what people were getting paid, good amounts of money, and I thought, well, maybe, maybe I've got something here. I had no skills or qualifications, but I was thinking, what if I could get one opportunity? So I sent out a load of different CVs. Armed with a different perspective and a newfound drive, Katie found herself embroiled in a fairly tough job application process that resulted in Simon Rawstron offering her an apprenticeship as a crane operator with Lango Rourke. The first thing I said to him was, I said, it's not because I'm a woman, is it? Because you don't, you don't want to be the token woman. You don't want that to be the only defining reason why somebody's offered you a job because you're the only woman in the room. And as you heard earlier, her dad, a fifth-generation bricklayer, was less than impressed. First thing was, it's dirty. You won't like it, it's dirty. It's full of men. You know it's all men on site, don't you? You won't like it. You'll, you'll get into it and you won't like it. And you've just started a new recruitment job and you quite like it. And why don't you just stick with that? And then, But the more people told me I wouldn't like it, the more I thought, no, do you know what? I'm going to go and prove you wrong. I'm going to go and do this. Kate Anthony was different. She knew from the age of 14 that she wanted to be a civil engineer and was extremely focused in achieving her goal. And she was given a bit of a head start. So I only know this from my personal perspective, but I was asked for lower grades to qualify to get into the university than some of my male counterparts. Not by a lot, but the minute they find that out, there is a slight resentment, you know. They've had to work that little bit harder to get to where you are. I don't know, is it the right thing to do? I'm not really sure. I think there are just different challenges for men and women at different levels, but it definitely sort of... You kind of got the comments from the guys like, well, you're a girl, it's going to be easy for you to get a job, it's going to be easier for you to do this. And Yeah, it's difficult to work out. I think sometimes it was a joke and sometimes not so much. I think there's a little bit of truth in it and a little bit of resentment. Interesting, isn't it? Being asked for lower grades than her male counterparts to gain a place on the engineering degree seemed to elicit a negative response from some of the men on her course. Positive action like this is always going to be a contentious issue. But I think Kate makes a really interesting point there, that men and women will face challenges at different stages in their career. For women, taking that initial step of getting into construction is crucial. Because once they're accepted onto engineering courses and given jobs, it's all about ability. And as Kate Cairn said right at the beginning, she's observed that many women feel compelled to overperform to prove their worth. So the employer reaps the benefits. Here's how Kate Cairns got inspired. Um, when I started looking at engineering, which we weren't told about at all at school, to be honest, in fact, teachers didn't really know what it was I don't think there wasn't that much information about but I went to a woman in science and engineering course um, with about I don't know 30 other girls you know and I want to say that persuaded me but actually it didn't we went to some kind of strange manufacturing factory where they were making boxes or something and I wasn't really blown away by that I was blown away by meeting other girls and having that experience the quality of these introductory experiences is important Box manufacturing is essential, but perhaps not all that inspiring. But role modelling is something that came up a lot when we were recording these interviews. Let's go into that a bit further with Kate Anthony. No, don't think that there are any other girls from my school that did civil engineering at all. Some of the girls went on and did maths at university, and quite a lot of my friends did maths at university. So it wasn't so much that there weren't girls doing the STEM subjects, and we were definitely supported even at school level, which was really nice. I think it helped that we had some good, strong female teachers, actually, in those subjects. It makes them maybe a bit more appealing if you've got somebody that you can kind of relate to in that 
in that sense. Obviously, teachers have the potential to make a huge impact on young people, especially in the science, technology, engineering and math subjects. But it's also important that diverse role models exist at every level of industry and especially at the top. And then with respect to role models, for example, the Institution of Civil Engineers, I'm a under fellow of the ICE, we have had uh, one female president, and that was a decade ago. And this year it was celebrating our 200th year anniversary. That's not a great role model for women in engineering, is it? So if you're a little girl and you want to be an engineer, what's at the top? What's at the CEOs of companies? What's at the top of the profession? Who's president of the IC? And there's one woman, and that was a decade ago. So is that a profession that, as a little girl, wow, I want to succeed, I want to get to the top? Is that something that I can see myself going down that route? Now, it might seem insignificant, frivolous even, but the image that's presented of working in construction is a really important part of this jigsaw. Here's more from Kate Cairns. We put up, we have photos of um, sight, boots, hard hats. Usually now a white elderly male with a hard hat with a younger female, I've noticed. Just, I was thinking this the other day, can't we have a senior female and a younger graduate male engineer? I think it's important we have role models of all shapes, all sizes, doing all different things, because it's important we go out there and we tell people what we can do and we show people what we can do. And like I said before, I think images are important. I want people to type in bricklayer into Google or crane operator or painter, and I want to see a good representation. I don't want to see all these stock images of these men sat in cranes or laying bricks. I want to see everyone doing it. Old people, young people, you know, everyone. Katie Kelleher, who you just heard there, is really active on social media. Please do check her out through all the usual channels. She told me a great story about going into a pet shop to buy a fish and the woman serving at the till, Lindsay, recognised her from Instagram. They talked about Katie's change of career, swap numbers, and Lindsay is now a fully qualified crane operator working alongside Katie. This stuff has an impact. Katie is relentless in her pursuit of trying to equal the gender imbalance in construction to create a more diverse environment. And her use of social media in this cause clearly has a positive effect. But this is about more than just getting women into construction. With the right inspiration, opportunities and representation, a wider range of people from all sectors of society will see construction as a great career option. And that allows us all to see diversity from different angles. Kate Kearns gave me her thoughts. Um, we talk about diversity, but it's about diversity of thought. So you might get four white, elderly, straight men might have diversity thought. You might chuck in two women. But if those women have um, succeeded in the man's world, they've gone to a private school, they've had a privileged background, um, they've been brought through the company because they've got a connection with someone, they've had special privileges, they actually might think in a very similar way to the men and have that same group think. So when we talk about diversity, it's about diversity of background and thought and not just what somebody looks like. And this depth of diversity has outcomes which benefit everyone. I suppose this brings us onto the issue of infrastructure design and the fact that traditionally that's been infrastructure has been designed by men uh, when we've got a society of 50% women. So um, we're designing 
infrastructure that's not necessarily fit for purpose, but stakeholder engagement, going out and talking to the public, that takes time, doesn't it? That takes money. And then they might give you feedback that you don't really want. It's a bit difficult. Oh, that's We can't really amend that. So you might have a consultation, but you don't actually implement any of the messages that have come back to you, which is why it's so important to have a diverse workforce in the first place, because then automatically, by default, your team is representing different members of society. I'm Adam Christopher, and you're listening to the Active Training Team podcast. We're talking to three women who work in construction to dig into the issues related to recruiting and retaining women in this wonderfully eclectic industry. We're hearing from infrastructure consultant Kate Kearns, tunnel engineer Kate Anthony, and crane operator Katie Kelleher. So we know that role modelling and representation play a big part in this story. But another crucial aspect is about creating the right work environment. And as with so many of these experiences, the good outcomes have a wide ripple effect. Katie Kelleher thankfully did make it through a bad first experience with her induction day at the Tottenham Court Road site in central London. This guy went, yeah, go upstairs, the inductions are upstairs. I thought, all right, fine. So I walked upstairs and... Um, there was a room full of men just talking. There was one guy at the front, he was talking, everyone else was listening. And I walked in like that and everyone just stopped and looked. I just walked through this room. Everyone followed me with their eyes. So I eventually reached the back of the room and everyone was staring. I, I moved up against the wall like that and I slid down the wall. <laughs> and I sat at the back of the room against the floor after sliding down the room. And eventually they all started listening to the guy at the front again. And I just sat there, because I didn't know whether it was an induction or not. I didn't really know how these things work. So I just sat at the back like that, waiting. And at that moment, I thought, what the hell are you doing? Why are you doing this to yourself? Why are you putting yourself through this? And um, it was definitely sort of them, do you stay and fight, or do you run now and go back to what you were doing before? For people who haven't worked in construction, for new apprentices, for women, for young people, for old people, for people who haven't been to site, don't know what the process goes like, and we just send them out there, give them a time, give them an address, give them a contact number, and expect people to get on with it. Because I always say, if I was a bit younger and I had a lot less to lose, I'd have left that day and not come back. I'd have done something else. Seems obvious, doesn't it? And I'm sure many of us know what it's like not to feel welcome. And then there are the real basics. One of Katie's jobs was operating a crane on a barge on the River Thames. It took about four weeks to get a toilet that I could use on my own. So I'd end up sharing with the welders and I'd end up sitting there all day trying to hold it. I'd dread getting the boat over there and then I'd dread going to the toilet. And to be honest, they weren't the worst people to share with. I'm sure there's far worse toilets out there. But it's just the fact of sharing with a load of guys and it's not, it's not nice. You might be thinking, how much effort does it take to get a toilet onto site? But small things like that make a big difference to how much an employee feels like part of a team. And that will surely influence their commitment to their job. What more can employers do at the start of someone's employment? You know, designing inductions that are easy to understand and delivered in a way that includes everyone in the room. Making sure PPE takes into account gender, ethnicity, religious beliefs. Welfare is suitable for everyone. Getting that right shows employers care about the workforce. 
Something that I found incredibly interesting is what they're doing in Iceland. The Icelandic government, their cabinet is a 50-50 gender split. They've recently passed a law that says that any organization with 25 or more employees has to have a 60-40 gender split in either direction. The two state-owned banks have female CEOs. Their shared maternity-paternity leave, which is going to increase in length very shortly. There's universal childcare from a very young age. All this is a conscious decision to design equality into the fabric of society. They are at the highest level walking the talk. But there are some companies really getting it right here in the UK. Kate Anthony works for Dr. Sauer and Partners. It's one of the smaller engineering firms, but they are blazing a trail and they have been rewarded with a really hard-working team. So at Sauer's, we're looking at about 50-50 men to, men to women. At probably about, probably about 2011, 2012, so just before I joined, there were, there were a handful of people, there were like eight or nine people in the company and then Crossroad happened and the company won quite a lot of work for that and they recruited a lot of people and it was quite a balanced recruitment process. They try and take people on that, that they have a recommendation of. To my understanding, it wasn't a particular, we're going to go out and recruit a load of women, but it's just that I think when you look at what they offer in terms of maternity, in terms of support for part-time working and things like that, that it, it appeals a lot to women and it means that most of the women who have, over the last sort of five or ten years, had children being within the company have stayed, come back to work, still work. The, the aim is to, to employ the right kind of person. And we, as a company, it's the first company I've worked for where every single person works really hard every day. I've, I've worked for a few different companies. That doesn't always happen. But at Sowers, that is what we're doing. And so they're just looking to recruit the right kind of person. And I think you get a lot of women in engineering who have had to kind of fight for their place. And someone once said to me that naturally women in engineering work that bit harder because they want to prove themselves more. So I think maybe it appeals to them in that case that where they are working really hard, they are rewarded, supported and recognised. And yeah, it's, it's a good place to be. Isn't that really encouraging to hear? It's something that Katie Kelleher is talking to her employers about. You're going to get people who need life balance. You, especially new people coming through and, you know, how do we sell this to younger people? Well, some people need life balance. Some people need to leave earlier. Some people do need to drop their kids off, pick their kids up. Some people need to look after people. Do we have to lose them from the industry in order for them to do this? And I don't think we do. I think even with crane operating, I said, you know, I was talking to our company. I said, what if we get a pregnant crane operator? What do we do? And Or if they have children, because at the moment, none of us have children. And... We're looking at, why can't you job share a crane? It's not that hard. Yeah, it's a little bit more work and it takes a little bit more figuring out, but if someone did six hours in the morning, six hours in the evening, is it that hard? This kind of culture change involves having some potentially difficult conversations to force issues onto the agenda. And that's really hard if you're an agency worker without much job security or if English isn't your first language or you're a young apprentice brand new into the industry or a woman not wishing to rock the boat or you're just a man that isn't comfortable talking about their personal life. So management need to be prepared to ask the right questions and lead the way. What are organisations doing to create an environment where people feel secure and safe to speak up about what they want? 
Construction office workers might be catered for, but what about the people working out in the field? It's allowing people to get away with this. And the more that people don't say anything and we just get on with it and we stop being awkward and we don't moan about not having toilets and we don't moan about this and we don't... We're letting people get away with this. And, yeah, I go to a lot of these meetings in the office now and they're all like, oh, we're so good, we're so brilliant, we've got flexible working, you know, Dave picks up his children and Sarah drops hers off and it's fabulous and we're really about mental health and that's great. And then I go, yeah, but what about the people on site? What are you giving them? Who's picking up their children here? Who's dropping their children off? No one. Oh, well, they don't say anything. No, because they don't want to get the sack. That's why they don't say anything. And, yeah, it's great everything we're doing about mental health, but... How do you condone people working seven days a week for 12-hour shifts and then say, oh, we're so good at mental health? Katie Kelleher there giving us some home truths about action speaking louder than words. And we know how big a part fatigue plays in well-being, and we're dedicating our next episode of the ATT podcast to this subject. All of the women that I spoke with talked about the various ways that they manage communication at work and they all recognised the need to be able to speak confidently and assertively. And that's something we always strive to address at Active Training Team. We want everyone participating in our workshops to leave having the confidence to access the skills to communicate effectively, to be able to get their point across clearly and to be able to speak persuasively. It's a base human desire to be understood People want to have a voice that is heard and valued. One of our latest storylines, designed in partnership with Tideway, is set in the marine environment on the River Thames. We deliberately wrote the central character, Paula, the site foreman, as a woman because we wanted to see how this dynamic played out, not just with the scripted characters she interacts with, but with the audience who get the chance to talk to and question Paula about how she's working. Golda Rochefell is the actress who plays Paula for ATT in this marine-based storyline. I wanted to get her perspective on how she has found playing this role. I don't think Paula, as a character, can be seen to be weak. And that was one thing that I really, really wanted to um, be strong about. Because there's a fear, for me anyway, that they're, you know, the guys, the blokes are going to say, oh, she's, she's a woman, you know, she's having a little tizzy, you know, is she on her period, da, 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 all those kind of stereotypical things that those kind of blokes would say. I'm really generalising there, um, and I apologise. But I wanted her to be as equal and to be able to punch the guys out if she had to. Not, not because that's part of the job but because the emotions got so high that she had to defend herself and I don't know whether that's you know does a woman have to become a bloke to be strong and to be heard I don't think they do but I think in these scenarios where the, where, the, where the emotions are really, really high and there is pressure and the pressure, the box could blow at any minute, there's got to be some kind of testosterone in there, do you know what I mean? To kind of be able to be equal and keep these guys in line and keep them safe. She says, you know, all I want to do is keep you safe.
It all got quite real for Golda when she was faced with a perceived throwaway sexist comment as she was playing Paula at the ATT workshop. Yeah, I mean, I can't remember exactly the moment, but there was definitely a sexist comment that was made by a gentleman at the back of the room, um, an older gentleman, something to do with, you know, giving over your end of work pay or something to the wife or whatever. Um, and nobody spoke up in defence, but, ev you know, there were a lot of people that agreed with him and, you know, kind of jokingly agreed with him and laughed. And I think there was, there was one of those moments where I was like, do I say something as Paula? But I didn't. But it was definitely something that the actors discussed afterwards as being a ooh moment. That just goes to show you that this subject really does need to be discussed because there are still entrenched views that have consequences that might seem insignificant and be meant with no malice at all, but they need to be challenged by everyone. I mean, how exhausting is it to absorb and then brush off or ignore or challenge these kind of flippant, jokey, throwaway comments that can hide under the banner of banter? A diverse, equal and respectful work culture creates a more positive and safer environment for everyone. And the benefits of this are huge. I'm going to leave Kate Kearns to make the last point. What can women in construction look forward to? Success would be not talking about this anymore. Success would be the engineering professionals reflective of the population, diversity of population with respect to gender, with respect to sexuality, religion, um, BAM, LGBTQ. Uh, I think we have a long way to go. I mean... Each industry has its own issues and attracts different kinds of people, has its different stereotypes, but it's so diverse, the construction industry. There's so many different jobs um, that, I, I, you know, there's no reason why, there's no practical reason why that can't be the case. But I think we've got a long way to go. I hope that if you already work in construction, that this podcast has encouraged you to think about the changes, however small, that you could be part of to make it a more diverse place. And if you're thinking about getting into construction or are close to a young person thinking about their career choices, I'd urge you to look at all of the options for degrees, apprenticeships and gateway programmes to get started. There really is something for everyone and we've put some more information of this into our episode notes. Thank you so much to Kate Anthony, Kate Cairns and Katie Kelleher for talking with me. To their employers, Dr. Sauer and Partners and Lang O'Rourke and to our partners, Dragados and Tideway. And in the ATT office, Lucy, Sophie J and Claire for making this episode happen. Don't forget that our other episodes are available on iTunes and SoundCloud. We've been talking to industry leaders in renewable energy and road safety. And we're planning our next episode to be focused on fatigue. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please do subscribe. We'd also really appreciate a review and a share to spread the word. And we're always open to your feedback and ideas for future episodes. Find us at activetrainingteam.co.uk on Twitter and LinkedIn. 
I'm Adam Christopher and my producer is Freya Helliot, who is brilliant. Thank you, Freya, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>